When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. And I want to tell you that mortgage rates have hit an all-time low since records started being kept of mortgages back during the Vietnam War. And so the rates now that are just shocking people in the financial industry that the average fixed rate on a 30-year mortgage for someone buying a home, 2.98%. This is incredible. And do people doing refis are going to find that the rates on a refi, normally there's a bigger spread, but right now the spread is about 0.45. So if you uh, let's just take someone with really top credit if you're getting a three percent rate on a 30 year that means you'd get 2.55 percent on a 15 year so for people who are in a mortgage you thought you had the greatest rate you were ever going to see this is an unbelievable opportunity for you to refinance particularly if you can go into the 15-year loan. you got to think through if you can handle the payment. The payment will be higher on the 15-year likely, even though um, you're getting a lower interest rate on it, maybe higher than what you already have, even at a higher interest rate, because you're paying the loan off so much quicker. But the advantage to you of doing so is enormous. If you are late in your mortgage, meaning that you have been in it any of a number of years, like maybe you're halfway through a 30-year mortgage, I want to tease you with another idea, and that is credit unions very heavily do 10-year mortgages. So if you have, let's say, 13, 14, 15, 16 years left on a loan, what if you look at the incredibly low rates and the twos that lenders, credit unions only, really, are offering on 10-year mortgage refis, and you take that. For home buyers, the rate is not the thing you specifically want to look at. And people who've owned homes before are familiar. You're doing a refi, you're familiar. You have to look at all three categories of costs. you got to look at the interest rate stated, the points, any points you have to pay to get the loan. Uh, Each point, if you're not aware, is 1% of the amount of money you're borrowing. And then the third category is the stated closing costs. To figure out your best deal could actually be something that's a little higher in stated interest rate, but maybe has no points versus somebody else having points or having lower closing costs versus someone else. So I just want you to chart out the 
categories, and I've got a guide for you if you're buying a home and you're going through the process of getting a loan or you are looking at refining, I'll walk you through at Clark.com how to do that the Clark smart way and get the best deal for yourself. When you're doing a refinance in particular, you can try every possible outlet to get your new loan. You can go to online lenders. You can go to mortgage brokers. You can go to, uh, obviously, credit unions. If you want a bad deal, go to a bank. Well, usually it's a bad deal if you go to a bank for a mortgage. But shopping multiple places is key to you getting the best deal on that refi. And check your credit reports. Well, all this is explained on my mortgage guide. Really important for you to know that there's no bad information or inaccurate information that hurts you being reported on your credit reports. Don't wait for a loan officer or somebody in underwriting to say, well, we wanted to do this loan, but you got this, that, or the other on your credit reports. Don't let that be a mystery to you. And right now, all three credit bureaus, because of coronavirus, are making credit reports available to you weekly for free instead of once a year at the official site, annualcreditreport.com. So you'll be able to see that all three of your credit reports are clean and good to go. It's time to take your questions that you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. And Kim, who do you have first? First today is Kathleen from Oregon. And Kathleen says, my husband is retiring in August and we have a non-IRA investment account that will provide us with most of our retirement income. With the prediction of a second wave of COVID and more financial turmoil, should we sell our investments in the non-IRA account and put the money into a money market account instead, or at least until the economy recovers? So when you hit retirement, it's the beginning of the next phase of your life that could last decades. If you think about lifespans, you don't want to go into a full cash mode with the money you're going to live on because you've got to worry about making that money grow over the years and be able to overcome inflation. So what I recommend is when you hit retirement, have the equivalent of three years of living expenses available to yourself in, uh, could be cash or CDs, savings accounts, uh, could be, depending on your tax rate, could be in a municipal bond fund. But the rest of the money you want to have invested for the long haul of your retirement. So selling everything you've got because of the possibility we're going to have a stock market collapse is a very risky idea if you think about the long term in front of you because stock markets, after they collapse, they recover. And so I don't want you to miss the ultimate value that stocks can generate for you for your retirement. So have enough cash, maybe you already do, that'll cover now through 2023. And if you have that, then I don't think you need to make a change in what you're doing. Joel? Clark Phillip in Connecticut says, how will the stimulus payments be treated for tax purposes next year? 
they are tax-free to you, and you don't have to worry about tax on it. I want to mention something that's not in this question, and that is uh, the unemployment compensation so many people have received is taxable at the federal level, is basically replacement of income from paychecks. Kim? This is from Christine in Virginia. She says, Charles Schwab has still closed all of its offices nationwide. Which walk-in bank or organization would you recommend? I'm looking for free checking, but I don't want to apply online or even use an online bank. I want a place where I can walk in and make a deposit. So one thing with Schwab is even though the offices are closed, they hint that you can make an appointment to see someone. So before you give up on Schwab, see if you can request an appointment at schwab.com at an office convenient to you, and they'll let you know whether you can do that or not. And it's been an unusual situation that Schwab has left that huge branch network that's such an advantage to them closed for so long. But I think there's uh, a lot of worry about the health of their employees. Uh, If you want an alternative where offices are open, you can see if a Fidelity Investments office is open close to you. And Schwab and Fidelity dominate this sector we're talking about of offering bank account relationships that are vastly superior to what you have with a traditional bank. And so uh, if you can't get face-to-face in Schwab, see if you can with Fidelity. The advantage with Fidelity over Schwab for a banking-type account is Fidelity pays a much higher rate of interest on the money in your account than Schwab does. Joel? Clark Mark in Wisconsin says, you've talked about using cashback credit cards in the past. Where I live, more and more small business owners are charging credit card fees. The fee charge is posted, unless you can't read, and the fees range from 3% to 3.99%. Most credit card rewards don't give you that much back, so why would you use a credit card instead of cash in those cases? You are 100% correct, and I'm glad that small business owners are giving customers that choice. You know, we as customers, unless we have been credit card merchants before, we have no clue how much businesses, particularly small ones, get ripped off by the banks for accepting credit cards. The fees are by far the highest in the world, and the Visa MasterCard cartel has been able to push these fees to heights that are as much as 20 times what they are in some other countries. So know that a business offering you a discount, in many cases, that discount for paying with cash will way below pass what you're earning in rewards. So if you are of a mind to pay cash, pay cash. Kim? This is from Susan in California. Susan says, my daughter and I each have about 300,000 airline point miles. We were saving for a special trip to Europe, but now I can't see traveling by air for at least a year or so. I read that this particular airline may lay off half of its employees in October. Are our miles safe? And if not, what can we do if we don't plan to fly? So um, 
Was that United or American they were referring to? United. United. So United has been very upfront that they're going to plan on having mass layoffs. American has said they're going to lay off a little bit smaller percent of their workforce. Um, Southwest may have the first layoffs in its history in the next several weeks. And what happened was when Congress gave the airlines a bailout, part of the bailout conditions were no one could be laid off till end of the fall. And so that embargo is about to end. And so there are going to be massive layoffs. Although there have been predictions from industry analysts that perhaps one of the three full fare airlines will not survive this, my thinking is that what will happen is you'll see another round of bankruptcies. And I don't think that American United or Delta will cease to exist because the there's equity in the brand names, in the fleets, in the experienced workforces, and in the fortress hubs that each of them control. So as far as your miles, it is remotely possible that United would cease to exist. But I think that's a very unlikely outcome from this. And I would wait it out till you feel like it would be fun to fly again and then redeem those points for a great trip. Joel? Clark, Angie in Texas says, we're about to put our house on the market soon. However, we just found out that our AC is leaking Freon. It's currently keeping the house cool, though. We're wondering if we should replace the unit or if we should provide an allowance for the buyer. We've had four different companies come take a look at it, give us quotes. The unit is actually 23 years old, and this is the third year in a row that we've had to recharge the Freon. So this one is more an ethical question because a home inspector is not likely to find the problems with the AC unit. They would just note the extreme age of it. But if you want to have a clear conscience in selling your home, it may end up costing you a little bit of money net on the sale. Giving a buyer what you would want from a, bu- from a seller if you were buying, and that is a unit that you know works well and you know your unit really is past its useful life, I would consider laying out the cash and replacing that unit. Just my thought. Steve is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Steve. Congratulations. You're buying a new home. Yes, Clark. It's a privilege to speak with you. I know you stress purchasing owner's title insurance. Is this still important if you're purchasing new construction? Oh, yeah. In my TV work, the last story I did about um, title blowing up on people was a new developed neighborhood where heirs to the property filed a suit challenging the ownership of those homeowners, and the court ended up taking all those people's homes away. Is there a certain type of title insurance I should be looking for, sir? Yeah, so are you going to have a mortgage? Yes. Oh, so it's really easy. So when you get that mortgage, you're going to be required to pay for what's known as a lender's title policy. Yes. And all you want to do is piggyback on that policy, which makes it a really inexpensive purchase for you because they're already having to do the work to issue that policy. And all you're doing is paying um, 
It's kind of like icing on a cake you're already having to pay for. You just buy the icing for having the additional coverage for you as an owner. So what they're interested in is they're interested as a lender in making sure that if the title was ever challenged, that they're going to get their money as a lender, and then they tell you to get lost. Well, if you have the what's known as simultaneous issue or, or the owner's policy that's piggybacked on it, you are paying just to protect your equity in the property. Okay, so great. the big money premium is for that you're having to pay for, by the way, to protect that lender is for the overwhelming amount of money in the purchase, which is that initial mortgage coverage with the owner's with the lender's title policy. And you're just adding on to it. Terrific. Thank you so much. And I hope you love the home. I'm going to tell you something else also that may surprise you. With new construction, it's really a good idea for you to have a home inspection where you hire a home inspector to do an inspection for you, just as you would on a used home. That's a great tip. Well, we will look into that. All right. Have a great day, and I hope it's a wonderful, wonderful experience having this new home. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. So this show is all about helping each other. It's all about us learning from each other. And I want you to know that I don't want to have the last word. I want us to learn together. I'm just a guy. And there'll be times that I will share an opinion or give advice that you'll feel is not on mark. And that's why we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. It's where you can post when you're upset with me, angry with me, disagree with me, or feel that my answers are not delivering for your fellow listener. And then others can read what you posted. They can comment on it. They can agree. They can disagree. And right now, the country's pretty raw. So when I talk about anything involving coronavirus, it creates a special level response from people. Well, in addition to having Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, we do Clark Stinks on the show where Kim and Joel alternate reading highlights from what you posted on Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, Clark, are you ready for this? Of course. Okay, just a little explanation before we get started. So you mentioned that things related to coronavirus, we get a lot of submissions and responses. And this past week, we got so many about opening schools, as well as separately about masks, that what we're going to do is treat those a little differently and just read some lines from each one that bring up different points instead of going through and, and reading way too many on the same topic. So okay. I'm going to start. Um, this is all about schools reopening. I heard you repeat the sentiment that for reasons that children are not affected by COVID, therefore schools should be safe. I want to remind you and your listeners that decisions about opening schools should not be made based on the safety of students. There are many adults that are employees at schools, such as teachers, administrators, etc. 
regarding school social interaction with masks and social distancing and alternative schedules, kids will not have the normal social interactions that you are afraid that they'll be missing. Somebody else, I've listened again and again to your reasoning that children need social interaction and that's why schools need to be open. Yes, schools provide for needed social skill development. However, a lack of a school environment for six months or even a year is not going to scar them for life. From a teacher, in my 20 years of teaching, I've caught the flu more than five times. I get yearly colds, stomach viruses, everything the students get, I get. We need to wait before reopening the schools in order to protect the lives of those inside the walls of the classroom. And lastly, in-school education will not come close to the effectiveness as it, to being as effective as it was before COVID with all of the confusion that would happen around all of the accommodations that need to happen in order to open schools. It's just not going to be the same. Right now, schools should be working on how to make virtual learning better. And I will tell you that the country is with all those posters. The, the public opinion in the country has shifted very heavily in the last few weeks against reopening schools versus having the kids do online learning. And the reason for that is obvious. You know, we have the largest number of coronavirus cases in the world, the largest number of deaths in the world, and the number of new cases each day is growing at just sickening rates. So people's fear level has risen a whole lot. And I understand what everyone said, and especially the teachers, administrators, staff, that they are older in many cases. Roughly one quarter, apparently, have a pre-existing condition that would make them vulnerable to dying from coronavirus if they got it. So I understand that my flip attitude about wanting my kids back in the classroom is really uh, likely wrong based on where we are today and where parents and teachers are today. So this is an area there will be continue to be division. There's roughly a third of Americans who want the kids to go back in school and strangely enough without a mask requirement, which I don't understand. But having the kids back in school is something I yearn for. Maybe it's not the time yet. Joel? All right, let's talk about masks real quick, Clark. Oh, since I just mentioned masks. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's move to that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's hit all the touchy subjects. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just a couple lines from people that I think will reflect the overall sentiment of what people were saying in the Clark Stinks forums and in the messages sent directly to us. Some say your stance on masks is a response to hype and fear. Others have said that it can be hard to breathe in a mask, making it, it more dangerous for some folks. Someone else mentions that it's unconstitutional to require mask wearing and that enforcing those orders could get messy too. And other listeners just ask that you stick to talking about financial stuff. I would love to just talk about financial stuff. I want you to think about this. The economy is not going to recover until people feel confident in their health and safety. And there's new data that has come out in the uh, 
Consumer Sentiment Index that has found that over the last few weeks, it has fallen like a rock and is now just about its lowest point since coronavirus came on anybody's radar back in March. And this is after people had become more optimistic, particularly in June, and this big outbreak going on across the South and the West has changed people's perspectives. And so the economy cannot breathe until people are not afraid. And so masks are an absolute proven way to prevent you spreading coronavirus to someone else. I mean, if we're going to break the transmission, we have to do this. Now, also, roughly one-third of the people who have died, according to new public health data, would not have died if we had had widespread use of masks. And who knows how many are going to die going forward because we don't have widespread use of masks. There is no constitutional argument for this, and that personal freedom thing blows my mind because why would you want to have personal freedom to kill somebody else by unknowingly infecting them with coronavirus? So I feel very strongly that my responsibility as someone who has very strong libertarian leanings is that wearing a mask is really the right thing to do because a libertarian wants you to have the freedom to do what you want to do as long as it's not harmful to someone else. If you don't wear a mask, you could kill somebody. And so think about that when you think about the whole freedom thing. On the issue, if you have trouble breathing in a mask, wear a shield. There's a lot of public health data that supports wearing a shield as being a two-way protector, where a mask is a one-way protector. And it's not clear if a shield is more effective than a mask, but one or the other could be a big difference because you could save a loved one's life. So I know that I have caused great anger. I've been accused of things about the mask stuff that just make me shake my head, but it is what I believe, and I would like to just talk about your wallet, but your wallet is wrapped up right now in this public health catastrophe we have in the United States. 4% of the world's population, 27% of the world's deaths from coronavirus. We're not doing our job. Kim? All right, moving on. This is from Vicki, and Vicki says, your recent comment, quote, I've spent enough on my dog to put a couple of the vet's kids through college. Absolutely stinks. It's offensive, and guess what? It's not even original. I've heard so many versions of that over the years. Quote, I paid for the new wing, the new roof, the new car you bought, blah, blah, blah. So, Clark, you're telling me that you spent $40,000 for community college or up to $200,000 on your pets? If so, I want you to come and be my client. But realistically, your point was a good one. Having a pet costs money even if it never, ever gets sick. Vaccines, flea and tick medicines, heartworm prevention, et cetera, spaying and neutering. You should always look at the average starting wage and debt load of a recent vet graduate if you want to talk about how much veterinary costs. 
And also, please advise your listeners to look into pet insurance. Yep, it's a real thing. I appreciate that post on so many levels, and I'm smiling ear to ear because uh, this is a, a conversation my wife and I have a lot. I in no way think that the vets are gouging us. Uh, in fact, our veterinary medicine service that we use is the most incredibly great place, and it's so different than managed care and medicine. One of our dogs is sick and may have a serious illness we don't know yet, and the vet herself has called my wife three times to check on our dog, Winston, in the last two weeks. I mean, you tell me when that's ever happened with traditional medicine. Joel? Clark Thomas says a 57-year-old woman wants to build a $50,000 swimming pool and pay for it with a 15-year loan? That's crazy. But all you did was suggest she call up her loan officer at the credit union, grow a spy in Clark, tell her she could not afford it. At least she didn't tell her to drain a retirement account to build it. So that is really crazy because Joel, Kim, and I talked about that call after it happened, and I, I felt like every way possible it, it was not the best decision for her to build that pool. And maybe I should have just said it straight out that her finances were not in a place that building that pool was right. And I appreciate your post because that's one the three of us have wondered about also. Kim? This is from Zach. Zach says, it's time to charge your old fitness tracker and maybe take a shower, my friend. All of the talk you usually do about spam phone calls, you never mention T-Mobile's technology of blocking spam calls with caller ID that shows up as spam likely. What's up with that? Why don't you ever mention it? It is so great. I mean, how timely that you're mentioning this because, you know, T-Mobile has just launched a much more sophisticated spam system that fully goes operational next week, and it's free to their users with T-Mobile, the best that I know of that any cell phone company offers in the world. So there you go. There it is for T-Mobile. Chandler's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Chandler. Hey, Clark. How's it going? Great. Thank you. Chandler, I understand that you have one of those scary retirement plans. I do, yeah, and um, and I, it wasn't really a concern until I, I heard you talk about 403Bs a couple of weeks ago and how you have some tax concerns, and I was wondering if it was worth going ahead and getting my own 401k outside of my employer and transferring the funds to that. So you can't do that, but what you can do is if you're not doing a Roth IRA, the first $6,000 a year you might save for retirement, you put in your own Roth IRA at one of the low-cost companies that I have on my investment guide at Clark.com. The problem with 403B plans is almost all of them are horrible. And Congress, in its wisdom, for reasons I don't understand, specifically condemned school teachers and people at certain nonprofits to vastly inferior retirement plans, these 403Bs, compared to what people have in traditional jobs with 401Ks. So your 403B, there's really only two companies 
that offer 403Bs that are okay. One is a company called TIA, T-I-A-A. Okay. And the other is Fidelity Investments. Is yours with either of those two? It is not. So odds are you're paying as much as 400 times what someone would pay in a low-cost 401k to have your 403b plan. Well, that's a bummer to hear. Yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> they're they uh, generally in the hands of insurance companies that charge massive, massive fees, have something called surrender charges, where if you decide, hey, you people are ripping me off, I want out, they charge you huge penalties to exit and go somewhere else and the overall fees and commissions built into the plans end up with teachers over the course of a career putting in the same amount of somebody somebody who would be in a good 401k plan ending up with half the money to live on in retirement half can you imagine that you work so hard to save money pay period after pay period and end up with half the money as somebody else? Yeah, that's crazy. So so I do have um, a Roth through a company that, that you recommend. So so what you're saying, um, just for clarification, is that I can take the funds in my 403B and roll them into that Roth? Nope. The money in your 403B has to stay there. Okay, gotcha. But you can, um, are you putting six grand each year into a Roth? Uh, I, I had just recently opened my first one about, um, a couple weeks ago. So I'm, I'm pretty new as far as okay, that goes. So what you do is you reduce the amount you're contributing to the 403B that you have through your employer by $6,000 and put that amount of money each year instead into your own Roth. Okay, perfect. So, so would you say that, um, so instead of reducing, is it worth, not funding the 403b altogether and 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 funding my own retirement sources well the only thing you're allowed to do is the roth so you can do the six grand in that unless you're over 50 years old in which case you can do seven do you know how much you contribute each year to that 403b uh to the 403b i would say it's probably around six thousand a year that's Um, perfect that's perfect yeah and i then, and I've been funding it for about three years. So you stop contributing the 403B, only do a Roth IRA. And the only reason you would do the 403B is if there's an employer match. Is there any match? Okay. There is not. Yeah, so you're done with that 403B garbage. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.